We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Mike, who I can confirm is a real person. But Darius, both myself and a growing number of people on Lakers Twitter are starting to believe that you might not be the person pictured in your avatar. What do you have to say for yourself? I play basketball professionally in Israel, and so I'm recording this pod. <laughs> I should have done this beforehand to actually check the time difference. Everyone caught me. I'm actually Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> it would explain so much. It would. It would. You know, <laughs> Lakers Twitter, quote unquote, is a very big, big house, and it turns out that there may be some secret rooms uh, in, oh, in this big house. I don't think house. we even know the half of it, man. <laughs> My goodness. My uh, goodness. Darius, just so you know, Jerusalem is 10 hours ahead. Okay. Yeah, Mike, you're always on point with the looking stuff up <laughs> mid-pod. It doesn't matter what it is. You're always on it. When he's mid-sentence, you got it ready to go. Yeah. Great. I, had to, I had to fact check that one. I thought it was I thought it was because I know Spain is like uh, is nine hours. And I thought but I, I thought it was at least an hour east of that. So we worked it out. And I, I don't know how that popped into the podcast, but there you go. Well, we appreciate you uh, in these late hours, Darius, joining us um, in That's between right. games. Uh over there so we're gonna try and get this on the rails lakers twitter man we've played utah these last couple of games we beat him in that first game in a wild uh, what was that saturday afternoon game yeah. uh where gobert sat obviously mitchell's out conley sat favors sat it was their skeleton crew against our skeleton crew we ended up prevailing in overtime drummond was great in that game dennis 
one of his best games as a Laker. He was fantastic. Then we got handled pretty easily last night against them. But I think one of the opportunities we have from playing them these last couple of games is they are on our side of the bracket currently. I, it's looking more and more like a four or five seed is our most likely landing spot for the playoffs. And they're probably going to be the number one seed. So there are they are definitely a potential playoff opponent for us. So I would like to take a look at Utah, preliminary look before a series, and kind of get some first impressions. Uh, now, Actually, I, I suppose it'd be second and third impressions because we've talked about them a few times, Mike, and they're not the team that I think is at the top of your list of teams that you're concerned about around the league. But I think I'm a, I'm a little more bullish on them than they are. So I would love to hear kind of a, a complete idea of just an overview of your thoughts on Utah. Sure. So, yeah, I've spent a lot of time thinking about Utah this year, and I think that started the deep dive started early because they came out of the gate so well. And the thing that they have, I think, still more than any team in the league going for them, and I'll, I'll try to keep this brief because I've said this throughout the season, is that they by far have had the league's best continuity. So their mm-hmm. top eight players from last season, every single one of them back, every single one of them healthy up until the point where Donovan Mitchell turned his ankle. The addition that they made was Derek Favors, who couldn't have fit in better from a continuity standpoint because he had spent every previous year there with Quinn Snyder up until the one year in New Orleans. So they just came into the season with an advantage in how they wanted to play and who was playing with whom and what the roles were. And none of that stuff had to be sussed out. And that's been kind of an exception uh, during this year with COVID protocol, with players sitting, with uh, injuries, with turnover in the offseason, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where you start. And I think that's good for, you know, that's good for like seven to eight wins right there. Um, now I, I do agree, Pete, that they're, they are a threat. Like they are a very good team. I just have never seen any real separation between them and the Clippers or the Nuggets, or even to an extent, the Mavericks, although I've been a little bit disappointed uh, from a neutral standpoint in how the Mavericks have played. And I certainly have not put Utah on the same level of the Lakers. And part of this comes from last season. The Lakers played the jazz three times. The Lakers were healthy in those matchups. So was Utah. The Lakers won by, I think, 45 total points. Uh, They blew them out by 25-plus in Utah once. They beat them by eight once. They beat them by nine once. And they did it by basically playing Anthony Davis at the five more minutes than they typically would and erasing the threat. I shouldn't say erase. Mitigating the threat of Gobert on both ends of the floor. Davis is one of those players in the league who's, let's be honest, guys, he's a kryptonite for everybody. Like, there isn't really a great matchup, a great way to play AD. But Gobert, it's it's one of the absolute best ways to neutralize him. This season, Anthony Davis has not played a single second against the Utah Jazz. Uh, LeBron James played only in the first game against them, which was kind of at the end. That was the peak of not just that AD had just gotten hurt, but it was the peak of the malaise portion of the season where guys were just in and out. And so I I'm kind of dismissing out of hand what we've seen this year in these three games. And I think that you can point more to Utah last year because the only change has been that Mike Conley Jr. has been better than he was last year, but it's not like they really added something else. It's not like there's some personnel matchup the Lakers have trouble dealing with. And I think that when it all comes down to it, you can just very simply either put Marcus all at the five, have him shoot threes on the perimeter um, to make Gobert come out in those lineups, you can play AD at the five. And that's, again, the number one answer to Utah. So all of my my kind of pushback against Utah and their preeminence in the West this year is in the context of the Lakers with Anthony Davis having a massive matchup advantage there. 
And I didn't even talk about LeBron because they have Bogdanovich and Ingles basically and Royce O'Neal to an extent to try and guard him on the wing when they're already having to deal with AD. So, and, and then LeBron becomes the killer because Gobert's out of the paint. So that, I know that's a little bit long-winded there, but that's that's my kind of summary as to why I don't think Utah is really that uh, that top level of a threat to the Lakers based on what they have personnel-wise. I'm probably a little bit in between. Like, I haven't heard Pete's argument yet. I respect Utah a great deal from an offensive standpoint. I think that the issues they can cause any team, including the Lakers, is predicated on just a ton of shooting, a bunch of good decision makers offensively, and they are pristinely coached on that side of the ball. And the thing that stands out to me most is the combination of their spacing and their passing principles, which I think are going to bother pretty much every opponent that they face in the playoffs, regardless of high level the defense is, because you have to account for Gobert on the dive. And they do several sort of interesting schematic things offensively in terms of player positioning. Um, And their players are all comfortable making the next read off of the pass that get you into scramble positions, I think, more often than what teams are comfortable operating in scramble positions situations and the Lakers are an excellent scrambling team right it, it it sort of reminds me of of like Tiger Woods like on the golf course right when when he was in his his absolute peak Tiger was one of the best scramblers as as a golfer he could be in the trap or he could be in the rough or he could be in the tree somewhere and he was such a good ball striker that it didn't matter necessarily where he was because he was going to find the green in enough and give himself enough birdie chances that he was going to just score well on course after course after course and the Lakers defense because of their versatility, their length, their speed, they can scramble in much of the same way that Tiger Woods could on even the most complex golf course. The thing is, is though, the Jazz make you scramble and they do not often have a really subpar shooter on the floor, a la Houston when they had Westbrook, right? That make you feel entirely comfortable we're going to leave this dude open and make him be a decision maker or make him attack off of the dribble because the Jazz's spacing principles are so good and they execute them so well that they often put themselves in great positions to drive and kick, drive and kick, and then the ball ends up in Joe Ingles' hands or Mike Conley's hands or even on the lower end of that spectrum, Royce O'Neal's hands who can hit a wide open three or ball fake sidestep gather right two seconds to shoot in an open three um so that's where utah sort of gives me pause a little bit like oh they are very interesting as an offensive team the thing that flips it for me against the Lakers is that unlike past seasons, their identity is no longer a, a gritty defensive team. They obviously have a top level defensive anchor in, in Rudy Gobert, but they are not as good on the wing. And the matchups with the Lakers this season, I think have emphasized the fact that 
a lot of their wing defensive players have been able to play more to their strengths against the iterations of the Lakers teams that they've played. And, and I think it's sort of artificially inflated how good their defense could be against this specific Lakers team when, when everyone is, is healthy. So I think I have a fair amount of respect for the jazz. I just think that their matchups with the Lakers get complicated because of what Mike highlighted with, with Anthony Davis. And then the wing issues, that can be presented when you have LeBron James. So I ultimately agree with both of you guys in terms of what I think the outcome of the series would be. But let me make the argument for Utah. I do think that the continuity that you speak to, Mike, is important and actually part of the reason why I've been talking a lot this year about, say, the five position, right? And about how Trez is such a different player than Mark. And then we throw Drummond into the mix, throw AD in the mix, throw Keefe. They're all like different. They have different strengths and weaknesses, oftentimes that are mirror images of each other. And that same concept extends out into a team as a whole beyond just the five position is there are certain types of matchups that are more difficult for one like Orlando always gives us problems because they're usually big and athletic on the wing they might not be the most talented guys right they might not be a great team in some other respects but they have attributes on that team that make it difficult for our team to play against them and part of what I think Utah has is a level of precision that if basketball is that kind of rock, paper, scissors game where rock beats scissors, scissors beats paper, paper beats rock, and we're the rock, what are the attributes of other teams to be looking out for that could form that paper? And I think precision on the offensive end in particular is something that you need. They, They are precise all the time on offense with, and I think that that's because of their continuity, right? It's the same dudes playing in the same system. And I don't think that the value of that ends at the end of the regular season, which I know isn't your argument, Mike, but I, I, that's part of my argument. Is it that it, that it doesn't? Okay. Part I, of it. That's awesome. But, yeah, I, I can't your, wait to hear you. Yeah, finish your thought. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't wait to hear your response then. Um, that, that continuity. And so, if we've got these guys that haven't played together a ton with the Lakers, that that's going to mean more times where two guys close out to the corner shooter and leave the guy on the wing wide open. And Utah is going to make that read every single time. And because they've run the same system with the same guys over and over again, this is all just force of habit for them. So I think that that combined with our propensity to kind of make mental mistakes, I think that they are exactly the type of team that can burn us with that, especially with the gravity at the very least of Gobert's, uh, you know, role game. Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. And I think that that's why I think, you know, Utah would be a tougher out for the Lakers than say Portland, you know, or maybe even Dallas or now this is where it gets tricky because Jamal Murray is out now. We have to kind of rethink right about how Denver would be in a series, but what I'm where I'm giving the Lakers the benefit of the doubt is Frank Vogel and LeBron and really those two minds together. And then with some other ones mixed in, you know, J kid and AD and et cetera, they figure out the case pretty quick. So Utah doesn't have a plan B. And I think that that's the difference, Pete, for me between a, a, re- a really sharp, really good, really cohesive regular season team and a team that gets to the postseason. And all of a sudden you're not getting the wide open threes uh, mm-hmm. anymore. 
on the mm-hmm. wing. You're not the Lakers are just going to switch certain stuff. They're going to do. They're going to know exactly how to defend Gobert. They're going to go. They're going to play the exact eight or nine guys that fit that opposition. And for Utah, maybe you need a few more of your heady players. And so, the, so Caruso's playing bigger minutes off the bench, right? He's he's missing fewer of those assignments. Um, even though, as we've talked about on this pod, Caruso does have that tendency to overhelp sometimes, which sure. isn't great against Utah. But he. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He would eventually snuff that out and make up for it. So I'm I'm there with respecting what they do, but that's that's why I think if you get really get down to it, what is Utah what is Utah gonna do, Darius? When the Lakers just switch that screen roll, AD's still there at the rim to prevent Gobert. Caruso and KCP are sticking to their guys on the wings. You know, LeBron is rotating over. What are they going to do? And then on the other end, what are they going to do when LeBron gets the ball at the top of the key? Gobert is on Davis. Davis comes up and sets the screen. What, what are they going to do? What are they going to do to stop that action? Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Darius, let's hear uh, your game plan for that. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So Darius, before the adaptability of the Lakers and Utah's plan B, what do they do under those circumstances? I think the interesting thing then that comes out of Utah is 
going back to some of their individual talent and their individual shot shot creators and and how much those players are able to produce against the specific lineups that the Lakers are going to throw at them, right? And so I'm highlighting their Mitchell, I'm highlighting their Conley, and then a wild card to me is Jordan Clarkson, who has played really well this year as sort of um, a really good offensive boost off off of the bench, who is capable of getting you 20 plus points on any given night. I'm not saying that those guys are going to be the difference makers in a series um, against the Lakers, but I do think that the competitiveness and those guys' abilities, those guys are all playing better than what they were last season. And Mitchell, who did not play in these last two games, he has really evolved as a shooter from from range and Conley is just playing at a whole nother level than what he was last season. And the interesting thing for the Lakers is that whenever you have LeBron and AD, you have the ability to not only shape shift, but, but, but snuff out other teams as guards specifically Mm -hmm. because AD and LeBron as helpers, are just elite, elite players all the way from the three-point line to the rim as help players, right? Forget their own individual matchups, which, look, if you're going to tell me, do I trust AD or LeBron on a switch against Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell or Jordan Clarkson? Of course I do. So I'm not even talking about that aspect of things. Um, But switching can expose you to different sort of stuff that then can become problematic, right? Because then if AD switches off of Gobert and then it's swing, swing, and then suddenly it's like Kyle Kuzma on Rudy Gobert hedging now on a ball screen that um, Joe Ingles is running against KCP, right? And so now it's like a two-man game between... Ingles and Gobert, which is like a great combination for for Utah, but you don't have your top horses at the point of attack anymore. And that's where it's not that Utah is a shape-shifting team. It's that they have a bunch of guys who can all do the same thing at a baseline level that is probably better than a lot of other teams can make claim to. Shooting and passing being at the top of that, those other guys are not necessarily uh, really sophisticated ball handlers, but in their attacking the closeout situations, which is when you say swing, swing, that's the ball going from one side of the court to the other. And what happens is the defense is closing out to a guy. They're really good at making those decisions. They are, and... It's very different from some of the shooting teams that the Lakers have had to face in the past, where at the most you'd find typically three shooters on the floor. That was true for almost every opponent the Lakers faced last season on their run to the championship in the playoffs. I would argue that we didn't face a legit role threat in last year's playoffs. I mean, maybe Whiteside in the first round, but you had Jokic. That's not really his game, right? Bam is more of a pop guy. Houston obviously didn't have that type of player in the first place. So just speaking to your point, I do think they're different than the type of team we've seen before. Tactically, there are things that you can do to adjust against a role. And and so I'm not, I'm not super concerned about any one action 
heard than the Lakers. The Lakers are too good of a defensive team for them to be beat over and over and over again by like a single thing, right? That said, we have been very big on this pod about the idea of of like stacking and stacking one talent on top of the same talent and strength on top of strength on top of strength. And Utah in their own way has done that with their roster and it would end up being a very interesting chess match to see how something like that played out. The other thing I was thinking about for if things all get down to those final couple of minutes, let's say things are close enough where Utah has to turn is small guards. And you guys know my whole theory, right? Mm -hmm. About small guards. Mm -hmm. It's it's impossible other than Steph Curry, who's basically the exception um, of all time to still be efficient in key playoff situations when you have to get bailed out by a guard uh, that's just going to get swallowed up by either bigger players or by a trap. Because guess what? Can't trap LeBron. Can't trap Jokic, right? Those guys are still going to get either themselves or you a good shot late. Even same thing with Kawhi. And I know that playoff basketball is not that simple, but we're not talking about a team that has some massive advantages in other areas on the Lakers to to sort of beat them into a, a position where they don't have to be as efficient. And if they're going to turn to Donovan Mitchell uh, or Jordan Clarkson or even Mike Conley, those guys are not super efficient guards. Those guys are high volume, difficult shot takers. And I think that those things also, as we've seen historically with players, uh, I know I I like to use the Lou Williams example, uh, or there's even James Harden to an extent, like those guys are just by definition going to become less, less efficient in the postseason because defense is better in the postseason in general. And you're getting that team's A, defensive effort, which means that some of those shots that you just sort of let go by in the first quarter of a regular season game, those things go away. So it's just another little element there. And the flip side is for the Lakers, who's got the ball in those situations, LeBron James, you know, top two player of all time, maybe top five, if you really want to get into an argument, depending on who you're asking. And then Anthony Davis. And, you know, to an extent, even somebody like Dennis Schroeder, who would fit, he would fit into what the Utah mix is, except he's your third guy there, as opposed to your one or your two. Right. The point about Utah's guards being, you know, such a a source of their shot creation, that's, that's an especially good one when you factor in the Lakers' size. Like, I think back to LeBron got matched up with Jamal Murray for a stretch in last year's Western Conference Finals, and he was great. He did a great job on Murray. And you remember how good Murray was. Like his shot making in that whole playoff run was just off the charts. AD can do that too. And you've got these bigger athletes. I'm like, there's parts of Drummond. I can't wait to talk to you guys more about Drummond as we get deeper into the Drummond experience. He's a he's a fascinating player to watch, but there's parts of him that's like, oh, he's he's got he's got talent on the perimeter. He's not the complete defensive player on the perimeter that LeBron or AD are, but he's got something to offer. If he's your third best big being out on the perimeter, that's you got a pretty good team there. So yeah, just on a personnel level, I guess the question is is I'm thinking about this in terms of the whole idea of the regular season and plan B. When you look at the teams that have been very good in the regular season, but maybe fell short of their possible capabilities in the playoffs, I think of like Houston and Milwaukee are the two most recent examples where they just couldn't quite get over the hump or they ran into some obstacle. And I think a lot of that has to do with 
not having much in the way of a plan B. And that's a really, I, I love how you put it through that lens, Mike, with, with Utah. Um, and even with their guards, like there's nothing they can do about that problem of their small guards that you were just talking about, right? Like that's just part of who they are. I'm curious, Darius, is there a, looking at Utah, like looking at a series against the Lakers with Utah, is there a way that they can change or alter how they play against us where they aren't just one version of themselves that's a threat to us? I don't necessarily know if, no. I mean, I was going to go on a long-winded <laughs> answer there, but but no. But the thing is with Utah is, why would that be there for them anyway? I guess is my counter to that whole idea in in the first place. For for better or for worse, um, Utah's confidence is sky high in what they're doing for the team that they are, and 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 it's validated by their play this year that someone's going to have to go out here and beat them. Right. Like I had watched Utah fairly early in the season. And I had said this online that the way that you're going to have to beat the jazz is that you're going to have to sort of undercut their belief in themselves to a certain extent, like the stuff that they've been doing all year that's been working, you're going to have to show that it either no longer works at all or works at a fairly lower level than what it's been working during the regular season and make their belief in themselves shakier, right? Make them a little bit less confident, make them, make them second guess that driving kick make them second guess where the open pass is going, make them second guess some of the confidence that they have potentially in a teammate because the shot and then that teammate potentially having less confidence in, in himself, right? There's, there's many different stages to what I'm talking about here and many different variables. But the thing I know is that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are never going to lose confidence in themselves right and the confidence that they have in themselves is is almost always going to perpetuate itself across the entire roster because the entire roster knows that these guys LeBron and AD operate at a higher level than pretty much any other players in the entire league right not just on on our team uh, on the other team's team on the team in the other brackets team in the team that's in the other conferences team there is it's when you it's when lebron and ad are in the back of the bus and you're one of the guys on their team and you get off the bus and you see kind of you know the fans whatever the security etc they're seeing you and then you all walk out into the courts think about like a high school gym and then you know ad and lebron are walking behind you there's a certain way that you hold your head up Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a certain that, you know, that the the big guns are coming off the back of the bus. And that that is the answer to what you were saying about Utah and confidence and all that. Like it is. That is the answer. And that's not to say that this will be easily accomplished. Right. Like, I don't think you win at like a 75 percent clip or whatever the Jazz have been winning at and shake that confidence easily. Right. That said, it can come from any direction is what I'm saying. And if these teams meet in the playoffs, the Lakers are going to need to be at a pretty high level within their own ceiling, right? A pretty high level defensively 
in order to accomplish the thing that I'm talking about that they would need to to accomplish. The thing is, though, is, look, I'm not going to lie. Yesterday's game against the Jazz frustrated me. It frustrated me for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons I was frustrating was was because guys started to feel themselves a little bit too much, right? I see Joe Ingles sort of holding up his arm and holding the gooseneck after the 11th or 50th three that he hit right off of a closeout that was a second late. I saw Royce O'Neal finish a left-handed layup and hold his arm up like he had just been baptized by the basketball gods for making a lefty layup. And I saw a fair amount of like, like, oh, this is payback for Saturday, right? These other guys weren't here. Y'all won. And now we're kicking your ass. And and I get that there's a little bit of extra juice that these teams have in these sort of matchups. What I also saw, though, was like Anthony Davis over there in street clothes and thinking to myself, oh, yeah, you see this freaking screen action where this guy's getting free and this communication is is sort of botched guess who doesn't make that mistake anthony davis doesn't right when i look at royce o'neill basically like forearm checking kyle kuzma on on an iverson cut and then getting over the top on on a screen i think to myself man you're so lucky that you get to play against a guy who is almost all perimeter-based talent. And these are the things that the Lakers are running in order to try to optimize this specific version of their team. And he doesn't have 265-pound LeBron James putting a shoulder in his chest every other possession on the Mm -hmm. post while AD is stationed above the break and Rudy Gobert is now at the nail instead of five feet behind you right underneath the basket. And it's been a long time that the Lakers have been playing this way. So I get that this new style of play looks very familiar, but watching the games against the Jazz specifically highlighted to me that, oh yeah, of course this version of the Jazz is kicking the Lakers ass. What is it going to look like when the two main horses who totally changed the geometry of the court, not only for their own team, but for the other team, right? What does it look like then? And that's why for as much respect as I give the Jazz, right? And part of my frustration with them is reflected or is indicative of the amount of respect that I give them. Because if I didn't think anything of them, I'd probably just be like, oh, whatever, man, these chumps, like Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to get served when they get served. A certain amount of my annoyance is with the fact like, hmm, they're interesting. Right. But then I also just go back to what Mike was saying in, in the first half of the pod is let's see what these dudes look like when Everything is together and both sides are healthy. And in that matchup, I feel pretty confident about the same way that the Lakers can impact the Jazz as the way that we're sort of hypothesizing how the Jazz will try to impact the Lakers. Just quick bottom line, Pete, the Jazz are good. But just because they happen to have the best record in the West by a game and a half right now during this kind of ridiculous regular season does not make them the best in the West uh, and does not make them the team that you have to hunt. Uh, they're uh, they're good, but they're they're not great. I I agree. The one um, addition to that I would say is that what they are good at, which is um, is 
plays in particularly well to some of our weaknesses. They are precise because they have continuity and they've got a bunch of interchangeable type of players that the types of mistakes that we make, they are especially good at exploiting. And ultimately, I agree that it's about pulling Gobert out of the paint. It's about them having small guards as shot creators and us having Anthony Davis and LeBron James and big guys doing that. I think that I'm curious about the collective size. Like Gobert is so good because he just holds it down in front of the rim and he just got that under control. But at some point there's a breaking point, right? Like if he's a, if he's a, a 10 out of 10 rim protector, but we've got 12, you know, 12 out of 10 pressure on the rim between LeBron and AD and Drummond. Like at some point, Gobert has a breaking point for where he can't do it all by himself. All of these factor in to why I think the Lakers would win a series against them. I just think that they are a particularly interesting team in terms of how their strengths match up into our weaknesses. Mike, you you made a comment earlier about how, uh, how you feel with your head up high, walking into the gym with the two big guns coming behind you, getting off the bus. One of them is getting off the bus a little earlier than the other. We talked about AD. Hopefully we've got him coming back for one of these Dallas games. Um, but we talked about him fitting in versus standing out in the last pod. But the opposite of that's going to be true and that everybody else's roles are going to begin to change with his incorporation and with uh, LeBron once he comes back, too. So we're going to talk about that on the next episode of Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. And Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Brian, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.